Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's a podcast, James. Hi. We thought of a name. You thought of a name. Maybe I... Mason thought of a name. <laughs> Mason definitely thought of a name. We didn't have a name last week. That's why we didn't say a name. No, now we have Suggestible. That's right. And you can find us all the places. What is this show about? Tell them, James. It's just like, hey, we watched this thing. We read this thing. We looked at this thing. Maybe one of us is making a garden. Definitely not me. It's things <laughs> that we've been doing that people might be interested in. That we suggest you do. Suggestibling. Excellent. And my name is Claire Tonti. My name is James Clement. I was going to tell you your name. But you said it already. That's fine. And with we're me. married and we run Planet Broadcasting. And we've only got half an hour to do this. So let's get the ball rolling. As always, gentlemen's first. We've established it enough. Is that the rule? Third. It's the rule. Cool. Okay, let's get the best thing out of the way first. Uh, <laughs> I bet you it's going to be more sci fi, bleak robots digging holes. Listen, that's my second thing, but my first thing <laughs> is not that. Is it AI related? The second thing is yes, not the first thing. <laughs> Space-related. Uh, Everything is space-related. Not, not as much. Anyway, the first thing. Okay, I'm just going to go back just a little bit. In the 80s, uh, a cartoonist called Ben Edlund created this character called The Tick. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> just listen. Like the insect. In 1986. That yeah, like burrows the, yeah. into your skin. He's basically like a, a parody of like super strong kind of macho kind of uh, like like superhero kind of tropes. I uh, walked past the TV while you were watching this. Yeah, he Is did that a, the big blue insect? The big blue insect, yeah. Uh, it became a cartoon in the 90s for like three seasons, which I remember watching as a kid. It, it was really fun. And in the early 2000s, Patrick Warburton, who you know as Putty from Seinfeld, he played the tick. It's like this big chinned guy just stuck in this blue suit. Like, you know, it's like, hey, chum, what's happening? Let's do an adventure or whatever. And he's got this tiny little man sidekick who's in a, is in a moth costume. He's not, who's not indestructible or bullets don't bounce off him. He's just in a moth suit that he can like fly right. around in. Okay. This is from but the 80s. The no, that, that's, this is just the, the general premise. All right. Okay. A couple of years ago, uh, they, they rebooted it on Amazon and I just started watching it. I'm, I'm a season and a bit in. Uh, it stars Peter Serafina, which as this tick, who you might know uh, from the voice of Darth Maul once. <laughs> yes, that famous man. Uh, he's in Shaun of the Dead. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy, but you probably most know him from Parks and Rec. He's the British guy who they go and visit, and he's kind of like a buffoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's a, he's a he's hilarious, hilarious. Like, impression, impressionist and storyteller and comedian. He's, he's amazing. Mm. Anyway, he voices the tick, so he's like this lighter-than-life superhero that comes into this guy's life, Arthur, who's just who had this traumatic event happen to him uh, involving superheroes and the world's greatest supervillain basically killed his father. So he's all, but then disappeared. They thought that the supervillain was dead. Da, and, da, da. Yeah, exactly. But it's kind of, it's, it's like a parody of superheroes, but it's also a lot of the time like a very genuine attempt to make like a superhero show. It's very funny and very tongue in cheek and it's cancelled. There's only two, <laughs> two seasons. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, but it's it's really terrific and really funny. And look, it's not just like the tick is the main character, I guess, but it's more about Arthur 
as the guy in the in the, in the moth suit who doesn't know what he's doing, but he's but he's smart. So the tick's always like, let's run in and punch justice. Is he or whatever. the blue guy with the big suit? That's the tick. That's and the Arthur's tick. the little guy. He looks like he looks like he's in a rabbit suit. He's got like little rabbit ears on the I top. I saw of it. that, and yeah. every time I walked past the television, I was like, "What is he watching?" Yeah. But look, I highly recommend it. Like, I'd, I'd kind of avoided it for a few years. I'm like, well, I hear it's probably going to get cancelled and I'm, you know, whatever. I don't really want to jump on board. I Sunday movies. I'm too cool for I'm this. too cool for things. What's look, it I, called? Rewind? The Tick. Okay. Yeah, because I'm very sceptical of things that, About that, the tick. that get cancelled because I get invested in them and then they go away. But uh, look, the first season is, it's got a really good and solid arc and I've just started the second season. So look, wherever it ends up, I'm kind of happy that, you know, they, they did make this thing. It's, it's got a pretty decent budget on it, like the special effects. You know, it's kind of TV stuff, but it's got ridiculous superheroes and, and supervillains and like there's one called um, Lobstercules and he's just... <laughs> he's, okay, I'm on board now. Yeah, I like that name. He's basically a, a giant lobster that's strong. So they're like, well, it's a lobster and it's Hercules. And when they see it in the newspaper, they're like, that's a fucking terrible name for a, for a supervillain. Okay, question. Yeah. Is there any poignant moments or is it all straight comedy? No, no, it's all it's it's very poignant and there's like parodies of Oh, I love that. Yeah, he's got like a, a sister who's uh who's uh, um she's training to be a to be a doctor, but she also on the side she she sews up criminals. Like who, who get like bullet holes in them from bank robberies or whatever. So she does this, so she's got like a foot in the underworld or whatever, but they don't know that. And it's just a terrific like it's a terrific show. It's got a great family dynamic and there's a character called, um, I can't remember what his name is, but he's basically like a vigilante. He's like Batman except he's got swords and he murders everybody and he's got this dark past. And Sounds he, like a solid And he's got a boat bloke. called uh, Danger Boat, which is, like, <laughs> which is a boat that he lives on which has an AI, which basically, you know, it's, it's like Knight Rider, but it's a boat, basically. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous and it's really funny and it's, it's just great. And I kind of, I've been avoiding it, but... I'm really glad I started watching it because it, yeah, it's it's, I'm really it's really surprised me how fun it is. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, you kind of got me on board now. What kind of style would you say like a show similar to it in comedy and kind of vibeness? Good Omens, like that recent one that, oh, that we sort of to, talked about. Oh, with yeah. David it's, Tennant. Yeah, David Tennant. Yeah, I guess if you've, I guess kind of Deadpool, but less like look at my balls. Like it's less <laughs> like that kind of stuff. All right. Yeah. So, okay. Mm. Do you think I would like it? You might. Yeah, you might actually like it. Okay. Yeah. The Tick. The Tick. It's on Amazon. There's only two seasons and then it finishes. Yes. But it's worth it. I At this point, absolutely. Okay, let's keep moving on. Let's do it. We've only got half an, half half an hour. Half an 30 hour. Minutes. Half an hour, James. All right. My first one. Oh, you're going to hate this. Here we go. You're going to hate it. Here we go. But it's all right. It's contrast. It's con- It's high. It's low. It's low brow. <laughs> yeah, this is the this low is point. A, this is the... <laughs> Stay with us. This is a book I'm recommending. Ugh. Yeah, I know. You probably won't read it, but maybe someone who's listening will like it. It's called City of Girls. Ugh. Great, <laughs> great that should, title. That should be an ongoing thing. Like one person recommends something, another person goes, <laughs> Well, if you keep recommending me like AI space-related things, I probably will keep going. I'm Ugh. just going to recommend the tick again next week, all right? Oh, That's what I'm going to do. So this is the kind of calibre that I'm recommending. I'm recommending a novel called City of Girls. Very good. And your thing's called The Tick <laughs> with a big blue man. Anyway, it's called City of Girls. Um, it's by one of my favourite writers, Elizabeth Gilbert. She mm-hmm. also wrote Big Magic, which is another one of my favourites. Yeah, I've heard you talk about that. Yeah. yeah. She, as an author, Elizabeth Gilbert, recently lost her wife. She was married and her um, wife had a terminal illness and passed away. And so she wrote this book while she was in one of the worst sort of headspaces of her life. Mm. And in order to kind of escape from that, she lives in New York City and she just wrote this super 
fun romp about sex and girls living in New York City and showgirls. It's just, it's starring, oh, starring, the central character is Vivian Morris, who's 19, and she grows up in this very well-to-do household who are all really boring, and she's very different, and she's she's the only person in her family who understands her is her grandmother. Is her dad like, you can't dance? This isn't a dancing family? (laughs) No, James, let me tell you. Well, a little bit like that. But she sort of doesn't fit in with her family, except her grandmother, who's this like really kind of extraordinary kind of out there person who lived in New York City and like wears ridiculous costumes and taught her how to sew. And so she's a brilliant seamstress. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she gets kicked out of her special private school and her parents don't know what to do with her. At 19, she was there too long. (laughs) And so she gets shipped off into New York City. Her grandmother at this point had passed away. And so she's actually, the novel is really her retelling the story when she's in her 90s about all her misadventures and her kind of. So it's set in the modern day though? No, no. So it's set in the 1940s. Oh, okay, so right. So it's 1940s okay, yeah. New York. Yes, okay, so, gotcha. um, and So And Vivian Morris is in her 90s reflecting back on 1940s New York and how much fun she had in her life. During the war. During yeah. the war. Yeah. yeah, well, it's just the beginning of the war. So initially it's sort of pre- well, New York Yeah, America City wasn't at war at that point either. No, yeah. it's, it's pre-war and then it goes into what happens mm. to New York City at that time during the war. And she goes to live with her aunt. Her grandma at, the, at this point has passed away. Mm. And so it's really just... She has a lot of sex and she drinks a lot and she hangs out with all these showgirls and because she's such a brilliant seamstress and so great with costumes, she makes all the costumes for her aunt who runs this kind of dilapidated old theatre. Okay. And then there's this brilliant character who's this woman in her 50s who's married to like a really handsome kind of dullard who's an actor, like super handsome, but like no brains. What the tick. Yeah, right, and she comes to live at this theatre and then kind of the story unfolds from there and they put on this incredible play or show called City of Girls and it becomes, you know, it's really awesome. A hit. This sounds like something that will probably be adapted into a TV series or a movie. Oh, for sure. It's just a romp. And, I mean, there are dark twists and turns. Sure. But what's so great about it, I think, is that it celebrates women being free Mm. and um, having autonomy in a time, particularly in the 1940s, where women were very repressed. But it was also an interesting time, from what I know (laughs) of history, is because a a lot of the, you know, a lot of men were shipped overseas. Yes. I mean, probably not the start of this book. No, but it does happen. Yeah, Yeah, but then, then, then... there's that opportunity, or not even opportunity. There's like the a need, ne- necessity need for women up. to step up. Yeah. yeah, and that kind of kicked things into gear because when people came back and then the, all those jobs were taken away again, it's like, well, we're clearly capable. And yeah, yeah. And the 1950s kind of happened where women kind of 1940s during the war, women kind of got all of this freedom, like they wore pants and had to do. There's jobs that poster like of the woman flexing yeah, a bicep, exactly. And then everything kind of flicked back again yeah. to like kind of Handmaid's Tale-esque where everyone's wearing those ridiculous big poofy dresses. And so she kind of rebels against that too. Yeah, right. Um, there's just a lot of joy in it. And New York City, she paints as such a fun and vibrant place and the showgirls are like so gorgeous and tall and like big feathers on their heads and there's these kind of really quite hilarious rum- bumbling kind of characters that come through and she talks about the bar scene and yeah, it's just for, for anyone who is feeling a bit, the world is a bit of a scary place at the moment. It's I just feel like joyful, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's just a really joyful, fun and very sexy book. Okay. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. I love a sexy book. Yeah, very sexy. Mm. The one thing I thought was interesting, and I actually wanted your perspective on this, Elizabeth Gilbert writes, and it's kind of the core of the book, about how 
women often have to be seen as as being good and doing the right thing all the time to be a good person and to be seen as being like a good woman. I think there is, de- yeah, there's definitely an element of that. And you just see it on the internet if somebody does something like left of centre. People are like, well, that's not very, not like becoming of a woman, but it's like, well, that's not, you know, that's not, yes, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, you definitely and, say it. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that whole idea, and Elizabeth Gilbert writes as Vivian Morris, the central character, that to be a good person, you don't have to always be good. No. Like you don't always have to make sensible decisions. You know, you can use your 20s and kind of party a bit and go a bit out there and be f- more free with your sexuality and still be a good person. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you don't have to Those always. Those two things aren't mutually, mutually exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and I think that's, and still I think women who basically sleep around or whatever mm. are often viewed in you know, like they're promiscuous. And there still is a double standard. Yeah, there's definitely that, yeah. a double standard. Mm. Yeah, and so she Not with all people, that. obviously. I think it, it's definitely changing. But, um, yeah, there still is that yeah. sense of like, well, come on, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also a sense too that everyone's okay with men being, you know, kind of out there with their sexuality. Like you see kind of representations of, you know, phallic representations. Sure. Everywhere, and it's okay for men to have sexual desires and all of that kind of thing. But I still think sometimes for women, yeah. like it's less okay for women to admit that they have urges and needs and desires. And she kind of explores all of that in the book. Mm. Anyway, if you're a bloke, you probably won't read it. Yeah, hello, but- <laughs> hello. If you're our son listening to this in the future, <laughs> <laughs> I know, probably embarrassed about us already. Oh, anyway, yeah, City of Girls, Elizabeth Gilbert. Check it out. Check it out. Excellent. Okay. Uh, I read a book over the summer. This is one of the two books I've read this year, so I'm out of books for next week. And I may have talked about it on my other podcast, uh, Mr. Sunday's... The Weekly Mr. Sunday Movies Joined by Some Idiot. Com, I think it's called. Number one party boy, Nicholas That's right. Mason. Uh, it's called uh, Guardian Angels and Other Monsters. It's by Daniel H. Wilson. And essentially, it's a collection of short stories. I've always loved like short th- stories or like anthology TV shows where it's just one and done. You know what I mean? It's just they, they, they capture this world in like, you know, a chapter or less than and then... And then they're on to the next thing. Because if you, if you love it, it's great. You know, it's this like rip, roar and read. You know what I mean? A rip, roar and, and read. And if you don't like it, you're like, well, there'll be another one in about three pages. So it doesn't really matter. Anyway, this particular novel is about the future and AI. <laughs> 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 and, and, you know, and, and AI becoming sentient and things like that. And not, not even, it's not always, actually, it's not always AI. Uh, but am I going to do AI every week? Yes, because <laughs> yeah. that is literally all you consume. You saw that book by Ian McCallum the other day. It's about- oh, not Ian McCallum. Yeah, Ian, Ian McEwen. McEwen. And it was just like a weird lady robot's face staring off into it the distance in a It was a man and a lady background. robot. Or, uh, it was a man robot, I believe. Yeah, but anyway, it was like a stepped head staring into the distance. I didn't buy it because it was the robot thing. But I, it was like, are humans robots? Are they but humans? AI? What Ian are Mc, we? Ian McEwan is an amazing author, yeah, though. He like, is. Atonement's incredible. The one about the balloon is incredible. <laughs> Soul is good. I've read a bunch of them. Anyway, it doesn't what matter. What about the one about he's like the fetus and he's writing? I haven't the read book. that one, Nutshell. Yeah, yeah, your mum gave me that, but I haven't read that one. I yet. tried to read it and I couldn't get into it. What's the fetus doing? Just like, I can't hear anything. Yeah. I can't see or hear anything. <laughs> It's just that for 400 pages. No, it's the opposite. His his mother has an affair or something and so he's listening. It's like a bit creepy. 
That sounds bad. Yeah, it is a bit creepy. <laughs> no, anything can be good. Anyway, uh, okay, I'll give you some examples of some short stories. The first one is absolutely bloody cracking, mate. I'll tell you this much. It's about a girl. She's playing with her with her robot, the kind of nanny, right, in the near future. And it she's sounds co- like I Am Mother. It's exactly like <laughs> I Am Mother. From last week. And then it just plays out like the movie I Am Mother. So No. And so what <laughs> happens is uh, she's, it becomes clear that she's from this affluent family. And then this, this group busts in. And they and they shoot the robot they, like to death, and they kidnap the girl, and they're out. And it turns out they're on this skyscraper or whatever. And the robot robot was this special combat robot that was supposed to be like bulletproof and could do fucking kung fu or whatever. <laughs> but it's it's down, right? And but what it can do, it can transfer its consciousness to other machinery. So what it's doing, it's following the criminals across the city. At one point, it gets in a crane and tries to stop. It's just like trying to drop things on the car as it's kind of passing. It gets inside the car that they're in and like try and, and like takes over the mechanics of it, gets in like a bulldozer. So it's basically trying to stop this 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 race between the kidnappers trying to get this little girl out of Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The city, uh, because there's less technology and he's trying to stop that happening using whatever kind of technology is, is along the way. I can see you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I am a little bit. But no, I, I, I do get really fascinated by futuristic sort yeah. of stories like that. There's another friendship yeah. one about a man who is friends with a with a robot deliver with a mm. delivery robot. Yeah, uh, right. But my favorite one, I think, is called "The Blue Afternoon That Lasted Forever," and it's basically this physicist and he's at work and he sees this this uh, this like an, this anomaly in the sky on television, and he realizes that because he has special knowledge of this exact thing, that it's basically the end of the world. It's a miniature black hole that has opened up in the sky, and the world is going to be done in 30 minutes, and like it's over. And so it's about him rushing home and spending time with his daughter as like the world is about to collapse in on itself. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm on board with that. Yeah. I, would my heart be able to cope with it? Maybe. Who knows? But look, the thing is, it's not, uh, they're not all like amazing. It's a bit like, oh, yeah, they're a robot. Okay. Oh, yeah, they're trapped inside a robot body. And <laughs> oh, yeah, the government. It's, yeah, okay, I get Conspiracies. it. Conspiracies. Yeah. But, you know, it's pretty consistent all the way through. And those ones in particular I talked about were, were some of my favorites. So, yeah, Guardians, Angels and Other Monsters by Daniel Hay. H. Wilson. How do you spell H. Wilson? H. Wilson, as in the letter oh, H. H. Oh, Wilson. H. Wilson. Say? H. I get grief about it. I say H. H. It's H. Is Without it though? The yeah, it is. Yes, because I grew up in a household that was very particular about the way that you said things. I always well, my household didn't give a shit because <laughs> I'm from the and wrong side the of different. the tracks. <laughs> I'm from the right side of the tracks, the very quiet side of the tracks. I was always corrected. I had to say cow and now and dance. Now that sucks. Which I don't say anymore because I'm those... married to you and now I'm like cow. Dance. Ah, fuck. Ah. Oh, swearing. Sorry, Goodness. I've already sweared. You've sweared so many times. I guess times. this is a somewhat swearing podcast. So many swears. I really got to cut down on my swearing. Yeah, you do. Is that yeah. your other recommendation? Yeah, absolutely. Suggestible? Definitely. I think, well, Mason, Mason doesn't really swear at all. And I think it's because, um, first his of all, he's, brain a, is he's, so a com- he's a complete coward. And he would never, <laughs> he doesn't have the confidence and the bravery yeah, that I have. Yeah, let's go with But that. I think it's good because it, it makes you kind of reach for other words. And it yes. also means that when you do use it, it's like important. Em- em- yeah. Emphatic. Anyway, tell well, me. How about that for a word? 
I don't Let's like improve it. our vocabulary. I don't want to do that. Our dexterity. I'm That's already reading books. What else do you want? All right. So you've only read two. Then you're out of books. I don't know what you're going to do for the rest of the episode. It's all comics and AI <laughs> to the end of the year. Books are, comics are books. That's true. I, I don't know. There was a pause she there. Says, like, you disagree. You didn't even read that comic that I gave you like three years <laughs> I ago. I did. I did. I did. I no, didn't get didn't. all the way to the end when I read Halfway Through. It's such a good comic and What's it opens it up. At the, it's called I Kill Giants. And I think it, once it unfolds, you'd be like, I get it. I get it. You don't get it because you it's haven't read it. It's about a girl and she's different. It's not just about that. There's more things. We'll talk about okay, it Okay. Well, how about I read day. it and then we'll talk about it as a Great. suggestible. I've got another suggestible. This one is a podcast, a podcast called <laughs> Under the Skin. It's free. It's on Luminary. So it's Russell Brand and I know you hate Russell Brand. I, no, and you know what? I thought about it. I don't hate Russell Brand. Okay. I just think he... He's like, the dichotomy of the system is in itself. It's twisted within the, 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 the inherent. Like, it's just like that kind of. Calm down on your big words, mate. I've got a man bun at the moment. Does he? Good um, on yeah. it. Yeah. So anyway, it's on the pl- this platform, Luminary, which you actually I have to Luminary. pay for. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. They've got a whole lot of celebs on board. This is his new They've podcast. also done some pretty dodgy stuff as far as I'm aware. Correct. They have. This episode, however, is free. So you can, you know, it doesn't. it's like a gift from Luminary. So that's good. I wouldn't sign up to Luminary because they're dodgy. However, this episode is free. So that's good. Unless it's some point we get signed on to Luminary, in which case and all hail Luminary. On board. We get yeah, some no, sweet as deal. Nah, they got some big celebs, mate. You're not big enough yet. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, they I'm got a, like I'm a mid-tier YouTube celebrity, Claire. How dare you? <laughs> Celeste Barber, who is another suggestion. Sometimes when I go into the city, I get recognised by one person. <laughs> That's huge. It's huge. Yes, you're a big old celeb, mate. Do you remember that time we were walking in the city and Barry? <laughs> You were walking. We have a friend, Barry, yeah. who's and very he, funny. He was telling you, it was like late. He was telling, sorry, I know you were in the middle of this. Did That's right. Continue, yeah. go. We got we time? time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and you, Barry was like, you're so famous, Claire. You think you're so bloody famous. And, you, and you're like, I'm not famous. I don't know Nobody what you're talking about. Nobody knows me. And, and no one ever recognizes me ever. As you're having this conversation, this guy walks past and goes, oh, hey, Claire. And, yeah. and Barry's like, what was that? <laughs> you kidding me? It was like 3 a.m. It was, it was really like was after hilarious. my birthday drinks last year. Yeah, it was so fun. That was amazing because literally that never happens. Mm. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, we're both celebs, mate. Don't you worry about it. Mid-tier celebrities. Mid-tier. Anyway, let's get back on to a celeb. Correct. Well, called a Russell level. Brand. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Anyway, <laughs> Under the Skin. Russell Brand. It's a podcast. And this episode is the one I'm recommending specifically. He interviews... Brené Brown, who is one of my fave people. Say Renee Brown? Brené Brown. Brené Brown. Brené Brown. Have you heard of her, James? I've heard, I don't know. It just sounds like a spelling error. All right. Okay. She's an author and a speaker. She's brilliant. She actually has a Netflix special on at the moment. She has studied for, you know, 20 years vulnerability and shame and she looks at parenting and she's just deep dived into what makes human beings tick. She's fascinating, but she's also really like funny. She's Texan and she's a mum. She just is very, very authentic and great. And she talks a lot about what it means to be human and the way that we can kind of operate and she's sober. So I think she was an alcoholic mm-hmm. years ago. And so if she wasn't an alcoholic and then she was sober, I'd be like, big deal. Okay. Good on you. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Anyway, and so she she just talks a, talks a lot of sense. Okay. And this episode particularly, you can tell Russell Brand in his casual like, the dichotomy of the world is, uh, and I'm Trump, blah, and all that stuff. He is fascinating too. They talk about kind of broadly about politics too. And Russell Brand actually talks really frankly about how he feels like he had a hand in the movement now that's putting people like Boris Johnson in power and also Trump 
Trump because at the time he had a huge platform on YouTube. Yeah. And he was doing his like whole thing about bringing down the establishment and how you shouldn't vote, like politicians aren't real humans and, you know, we need people who are going to actually tell it sure. how it is. And and people, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm sure, yeah, he probably had a, a minor hand in it. Um, oh, yeah. No, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying he's like got a big hand. I just mean yeah. he had like a, a small amount of influence yeah. and, in that. And people might take that as, well, these guys aren't proper. They tell, they tell it how it is and. Yeah, you know, they're not real politicians or whatever. Let's get some real people. In, yeah, in the well, and I think also he did. He does talk a lot about socialism and about how the inequity of wealth at the moment, which you know, all, all of that stuff. Basically, what he said is. The night before the election in Britain, the Labor leader actually came onto his show at that time because that's how kind of fervent ridiculousness it all got. Yeah. And he realised at that time that really he was having an influence on the political debate and he just had like a breakdown. Yeah, right. Because he just, he had, was so, he said he felt like he was so full of himself and full of all this ego about it and he got really like, exactly what you were saying mm. and then he just collapsed in on himself because he realised, well, who am I to be saying any of this and that's terrifying, that kind of yeah. influence. Anyway, that was a small part of the podcast. What I found so interesting was how much Brene Brown talks about what it means to be compassionate. So she studied compassion and I wanted to ask you this question because I thought it was really interesting. She brings it up. She said she studied compassion and, and why people are compassionate, how they can be more compassionate. And over the course of her research, what she discovered was the one thing that everybody who she would ostensibly say was a very compassionate, empathetic person had in common was that they had really kind of strict boundaries about what they will and won't accept into their life. Sure, okay. And the other thing was their answer to this question. So I'm going to ask you this question Here that we go. she asks. So do you believe that people as a rule, are doing the best they can? Uh, every, like in general, yeah, everyone? Yeah, in general. Like every person that you run into, I think. do you believe they're doing the best they can? I would say most people are, yeah. To with like, to so you within, can't say yes or no. You have to say, you, you can't be. That's not the world, is it? It's not black and white. I think people at the end of the day will probably do what's best for them and people in their like immediate circle. But do you think that in general, like human beings are doing the best they can? Well, even no, people then, who, even be, the world, like, think about. No, well, then no, because the world will be better, I guess, if everyone was doing the best they can. But then you look at, like, who's in power and, like, how much influence, like, a, a, an everyday person, like, just a, just a mid-tier YouTube celebrity, for example. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's a huge one, isn't I honestly it? don't know. It's really interesting. And what she kind of discovers and she talks about with Russell Brand in this podcast is the answer to that question for people who have a lot of compassion is yes. Every person they meet. She asks the people that... So what does that make me? (laughs) No, well, it's just... Well, no, because everyone struggles with that. It's Mm. huge. But when you think about it, if you... Every person that you run into, like think about someone in your life that is really difficult, that makes gets under your skin, that makes you just infuriated. Yeah. You. Yeah, (laughs) me. Yeah, and then think about it. Think about how differently you would feel about them if you knew that they were just doing the best that they could with the stuff that they had. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Like, what do you mean by the best that they can? Does it mean like the the best for them and their family? Do you mean best for the world? Do you mean no? I mean, as in they are trying their best. So even if their best is that they're treating everybody horribly, that they're that they're you know. I don't know, cheating and stealing and taking a whole lot of drugs and neglecting their kids, that's the best they can do. 
Yeah, but that to me is not. I mean, I, I that's not the best you can do. No, no, it's not being the best. Yeah, that's not what it's about. It's no, I them with the knowledge and skills and, and the way they the ability, grew up, and, the way they grew yeah. up, and everything. Imagine if we thought about it in that they were just doing the best that they could. I mean, probably, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, isn't it interesting? She doesn't say I mean, it's it right be, or it's not right or wrong. No, no, I'm just, I just, it. I don't to think about it. Yeah, so and yeah. it's really interesting what Russell Brand talks about too, because. It's almost easier in a way. It's about repression and the dichotomy <laughs> of the system. I mean, it's yeah. yeah, anyway, it's a really fascinating podcast. She also talks about the whole movement now politically. We're so, you know, opposed on, you know, right and left and yelling at each other and how we can kind of come together. She's still trying to unpack that in herself, how we sort of can move forward through all of the big issues that we've got currently. And also they also look at that whole idea of the patriarchy and, you know, white men holding power and all of that stuff and and whether or not, you know, it's the last gasp of a power structure or whether it's actually things are moving in a different direction and it's well, really that's a very uh, yeah. yeah and then she looks at parenting. Yeah, as right. Well. We're very much in all of that at mm. this exact point in time. Mm, it's yeah. so interesting. Because she's huge, like she has so much influence. She's Texan and she has so much influence in both both camps because yeah. what she talks about isn't political. It's about deep-seated things to do with who we are as people, as the things that, you know, she studied shame, what makes us feel shameful as humans. And, and so she has a theory about the fact that often people are acting out or, you know, even Trump in power all comes back to that. People are scared, they're fearful, they feel shame, they haven't been able to process their own insecurities and difficulties in their own life and mm. that's what comes across. Anyway, I highly recommend listening to it. She also talks about really cool stuff about parenting. There's some great stuff because Russell Brand has a two-and-a-half-year-old who's basically ruining his life and he's, <laughs> he doesn't know what to do about it and it's quite funny. My heart bleeds for him. Doesn't it? No. No, it's not ruining <laughs> She's not ruining his life but he's just finding it really tough and I loved what she, the advice she gave to him about choice and about how to parent because – I just felt like it would, would be so helpful if for anyone with a toddler like we have. Yeah, so, it is definitely about choice, I think, for, mm, giving for kids, them choice. giving them options. Yeah. yeah, and also backing up what you say. So she talks about giving, um, if you say something, you have to follow it up. Yeah. Otherwise, kids become insecure and they don't. They don't know their boundaries and they don't feel safe. Yeah. yeah. I know, I've yeah. Seen, as you see it in classrooms. Yeah, yeah. all the time. Exactly. Mm. And you need to stand by what you say. And these five, first five years of a kid's life are, she said, in all the research she's done, and she does deep dive research, like insane levels of, you know, PhD, whatever research, that the first five years are just like fundamental and all mm. that. Anyway. So uh, don't blow it is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah no kids. pressure. And no one's perfect, obviously. But she yeah. said the biggest part is, it's not being perfect in front of your kids. It's actually showing emotion and talking through how you feel about it and sure. admitting your mistakes. Because if you try and live in a house where everyone has to be perfect all the time, you teach kids that there's something wrong with I them. I think also, like, and I've seen this in people that I know, like when, when you grow up in a house like that and then when you grow up, you see the flaws in your parents and then you kind of like, well, they're full of shit, aren't they? Because they, yeah. they're not even who they presented themselves to me as. Yeah, yeah. so I think that vulnerability and they. Like, and a bit of give and take is, uh, I don't know anything about parenting. What do I know? <laughs> well, have a listen to this yeah. podcast, Renee Brown, and she has a Netflix special too, which is beautiful. Okay. She writes some really great books. Um, I have heard of her. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure I've mentioned it. It's probably from you, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. She's she's brilliant. And, and she really talks about how powerful it is. It's exactly right. To be vulnerable and to show yourself for who you are and admit your mistakes. Yeah. And talk through that with your kids. 
Because yeah. it's way easier to double down and go like, no, I'm right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah. Rather than letting your kids see you cry. And yeah, I just mean in kids. general yeah. as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Admitting people, fault is, uh, yeah, yeah it's difficult. Yeah, is, is full on. The one other thing she says, and we're almost out of time, I love what she talks about, um, about the stories we tell ourselves. So she often says in an argument with her husband, I'm telling myself a story. And Wait, who, who says? Who? Brene Brown. All oh, right, sorry, I was thinking... She was married to the woman who died. That was a uh, no was a, different yeah, yeah. person. I'm like, Wait, what? No, Brene Brown is yeah, married. I, I got you, and yeah, when yeah. she argues with her husband, they now use this thing where she says, "The story I'm telling myself about I don't know why you didn't take the bins out is because you don't care about me." <laughs> and I know that's not true. And so her husband can go, "Okay, well, the story I'm telling myself is that you don't think I'm good enough because you're nagging me all the time." And so then you can see how each other thinks. The story I'm telling myself is just like, "I'll just take the bins out. Just get off my back." <laughs> Get on my bloody back, mate. Stop nag. Oh, women are so naggy. All right, we're done. That's the end. Is it? Oh, gosh. Uh, people want got things to recommend? Tweet it in at... Uh, su- suggestible pod. At suggestible pod. Yep. It's... Also at Claire Twenty and at Mrs. Su- oh, no, at Mrs. Sunday Movies yep. and at Claire Twenty. That's for me. And who are you? Mr. Sunday Movies on all platforms. All of them. Yeah, including my podcast, Mr. Sunday Movies and, yeah. and some guy. <laughs> Now the weekly planet. Correct. Exactly. And I'm on Instagram. That's how you can find me at Claire Twenty at Suggestible Pod across Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all the places. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for everyone calling for And editing. a review would be super oh, yes. as well. Review, subscribe. Ugh. All those things. Okay, goodbye, goodbye. Bye, goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.